This episode and all of our Sundance coverage is brought to you by Rode Microphones and Blackmagic Design. Hey everybody, this is John Fusco, and you're listening to the No Film School Podcast. Big Time Adolescence is a feature close to director Jason Orley's heart, and why shouldn't it be? In addition to making its world premiere at Sundance back in January, the film has the unique distinction of being the first screenplay he ever wrote. It's not often that the first thing you write ends up being your first feature. But the fact that this is Orley's first feature is not from lack of trying. In the process of achieving this seemingly unachievable feat, Orley penned multiple scripts with the goal of quote-unquote proving he could write. A few of them, including Big Time Adolescence, ended up on the blacklist. And if you don't know what the blacklist is, it's time to get familiar because it's an accolade that could end up changing your career in screenwriting forever. That's what ended up happening for Orly in any case. Adolescence tells the story of a suburban teenager who comes of age under the destructive guidance of his best friend, an aimless college dropout. That dropout is played by none other than Saturday Night Live standout Pete Davidson, who in addition to joining the film as an executive producer, turns in a star-confirming performance. I sat down with Orly at Sundance to discuss the basics of writing to prove you can write, what the blacklist can do for your career, using the star of your film as your greatest collaborator, and more. Hope you enjoy. Hey everybody, this is John Fusco. I am here with Jason Orly, the director and writer yeah, hey. Big Time Adolescence, which is uh, just had its premiere yesterday here at Park City. Um, congratulations. Thanks so much, man. Yeah, dude. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about how you got this thing made. Um, specifically, I think, uh, I'm really interested in hearing about the journey that your script took. Yeah. Um, because you mentioned yesterday during the, well, both the Q&A and the introduction, uh, that this was the first script you'd ever written. Yeah. Um, did you think that this would be the one that would, you know, propel you to the place that you are now where you're at Sundance? I really didn't. I, I, I mean, I, I wrote, I wrote it as a kind of a calling card to kind of prove that I could write. I wanted to be a writer and this was a relationship that was in my head for a long time. That kind of that mentor mentee, you know, that bad influence story, um, that I liked. Uh, and I thought it'd be fun to tell a high school kind of coming of age story. That was like a nod to like movies like Risky Business and John Hughes movies that I liked. Um, But really, it was just like I wanted to write something that I thought would be fun for people to read and get a sense that I could write and maybe hire me to write for a TV show or write another movie. So it was very much like this is a very personal script that is going to be a calling card for me and hopefully I can get an agent off of it. Like that was like my, my literally my first goal was like maybe I can get an agent. Maybe I can get like another writing job from this. And that was what it was for me for a long time because, um, you know, I used the script to get representation. And then after about a year, it got on the blacklist, which was, you know, I'm sure your listeners know what that is. And, uh, and that really changed things because then it became like, Oh, maybe we could actually make this. I didn't expect anything. Cause it's kind of like a druggy high school, dark comedy. That's like most studios or production companies read. And they were like, love your writing. Like what else do you have that is more commercial? <laughs> and that kind of became the ongoing conversation where that's like, I would meet with someone because they liked the script, but they wanted to talk about something else. Like, you know, what else do you got? We like, we know you can write now, but like, can you write something that's like, we think could sell. Um, so then when you were writing that script, you know, you're saying that you're trying to demonstrate, uh, certain things that 
can prove that you can write. Yeah. Uh, can you maybe like describe some of those uh, from a screenwriting standpoint? You know, it's it, it, it's it's less about like the mechanics of like the screen. I, you know, I I went to NYU. I took you know like screenwriting classes, and I had like written like one acts or like pieces of scripts or like almost finished scripts that never got finished. Um, and really for me, it was about it's kind of establishing my voice. I had worked in the T, uh, the network TV space for a long time as an like a assistant, um, prior to writing the script. And I think that like, I had been around so much of that kind of like broadcast network television that when I went to write, I kind of wanted to write something a little bit different. And so it was, it was more about like having something that felt original and, uh, and with like great dialogue and, but also like I read so many scripts when I was working as an assistant that if the script is great, but it's still not so fun to read. <laughs> like for me, like I wanted the script to be fun to read and I want the movie to be fun to watch. And that was kind of like my, my number one goals was just like, you're, you're enjoying yourself and you can see it and you're not, and it's you're like, you can read this in one sitting, which is, uh, you know, people who read a lot of scripts know that that's not always the case. Yeah. Can I ask what makes a fun script when you are a reader? Just, uh, in your opinion. I honestly don't know. I think that it's just, I think that if it, you know, that the dialogue's there and the, you know, and the, the descriptions of the characters are fully realized and you can really kind of picture it, um, then, and you're not taking, you're not getting too bogged down in things, mm. you know, and, and that's just, I'm just speaking for myself because yeah, yeah. there are some fantastic movies that you need that kind of like dense, you know. Especially here. Yes, especially <laughs> here where you need the, like, you need the scripts to really feel that weight. But for me, it was just like, I I wrote it really quickly because I really I had it you know in my head pretty fleshed out and and for me it was something that was like you should be able to read this quickly it's a fun little movie it's not not taking itself too seriously and that was I think comes comes across on the page when you do write uh, is it often something that you're able to get out there quickly and move on to the next project or is it sometimes more laborious um it depends generally the better things are the ones that that you know are are easier to write you know they end up there's a reason that they're easy to write um but for me uh i spend a lot of time thinking about an idea before i'll write it and so it's the like if i'm not still thinking about it after several months i probably don't start writing it <laughs> if i get an idea it's i kind of like getting a tattoo <laughs> yeah exa exactly which i don't have because yeah. i haven't you know there's no tattoo i that i've thought about wanting for exactly. that long yeah but that's really it for me is that like i'll uh, let some idea percolate in my head for almost for maybe for you know, and I'll have several ideas, but for years even before. And if, if there's something that still keeps coming back over and over, that like I like an itch, then that's when I'll write it. And at that point, the writing is is pretty fast. And you'd mentioned the blacklist a little bit earlier, and I think like some of our listeners are familiar with the name, but they're not so familiar about the whole process of like how do you apply to the blacklist or what what was the deal there? How did you get? on the blacklist yeah for me you know once i got representation from the script they my agents kind of uh and managers send the script out to the industry as it were like to like you know various producers around town basically saying here's this new young writer this is his script we think he's an interesting voice um and everyone reads it and i'm sure these producers and production companies get a hundred scripts like this from a hundred different agents every day and so and then it's my job to kind of go around and sit and meet. I'm not like, there's no like campaigning for the blacklist. The blacklist wasn't even something like in my head is something that was a thing. It was more just at, at about six months into me having the script, many people had read it because it was kind of my introduction to this industry as a writer. And so at the end of the year, when the blacklist reaches out to all of the 
the industry professionals and producers, they say, what are some of the scripts that you've read that you love? Um, I was fortunate enough that, you know, enough people had mentioned this script that it got put on the list. And then once it was on that list, well, how did your career sort of blossom or how did it affect your career from there? It changed in a couple of ways. The script got in the ways of like, you know, it's just a nice thing. It's, you know, it's, it's an accolade. It's an accolade and you can say it, you know, yeah. you can attach it to the script and people, you know, if people think that that's a cool thing, then they, then they'll think it. Yeah. I think it's a cool thing. Yeah. If people are into <laughs> that, then they're impressed. And yeah. then if they're not, they're not impressed. But, um, and so I was able to get more writing jobs which was really the goal, like, you know, staff writing on a TV show or, or rewriting a script for somebody else, um, really, you know, honing my writing skills. Sure. Which is funny because, like, this was the first script I wrote, and I feel like I really took a journey as a writer because I got much better since then. Mm -hmm. And then when I finally got to make this script, I, like, looked at it. And it's like when you looked at something really old, like an old homework assignment, like yeah. an essay you wrote when you were in high school, and you're like, God, this sucks. <laughs> um, I didn't think it sucked, but I definitely was like, this needs a lot of work. So, um, and I was in a different, very different place when I wrote it. I mm -hmm. was young and I was single and I, you know, uh, I didn't have a lot of perspective and I think being able to make it however many years later, just out of sheer luck that some company found it and wanted to make a high school indie and they were looking for a, a, the cool, a, you know, original high school, uh, script and had found this mm -hmm. and they approached me and they said, would you want to make this? And I said, only if I can direct it because... That felt like a smart thing to say. Yeah, sure. Um, and uh, and yeah, and then I was like, okay, shit, I have to go read the script now, and, like, <laughs> see if I still even like it or want to make it. And like, fortunately, like there was a lot in there that I loved, and and I was able to take the perspective of however many years, and I was at this at this point married and have a kid on the way. Now the kid's been born. Um, was able to to fix the script in ways that I feel like really it benefited from. If, or then if I had gotten to make that script as soon as I wrote it. Uh, like having that time and perspective away from the story, things were just like glaringly, you know, and things had changed. And when you're making a story about high school boys and horny boys, like, and, you know, you're writing it however long ago and you're revisiting it now in this new era, uh, that was something that was really important to me. So, like, you know, a lot of the ending was rewritten based on really feeling it was important that the, you know, women be stronger characters, that the boys get rejected by these women and not just like, uh, whatever they do, they still get the girl. Like, right. downright rejected. And that, and then the ending of the movie was something that I even changed because I think when I'd written this script, I was closer to those Zeeks in my life. Or I was still so... I had, I had just kind of like... I was still growing up. And five years later, I was like, oh, I really haven't... I wrote this script and I would based it on these characters from high school. But, like, I haven't talked to those guys in ages, you know? And... Did you reach out to any of them? Ever? No, I didn't reach out because like, it's, it's it's a lot of people, you know, and it's it's, it's more it, there's no one specific, right? But but it, it really I, what I realized was like while the ending is sad, and it's you know it is this is what is true, yeah. Is that like these guys are great, these people are really important in your life, and they really shape who you are. But you don't always stay friends with them, and that's like okay. Yeah, I think it's like it's okay that these guys don't stay friends in the end of this movie. And as much as people like are going to want them to be like running off in the distance, like to go on their next adventure, that's just not how life works. And yeah. I, and I think that the audience uh, maybe doesn't want the, yeah, to go off. And, exactly. You know, like they want to see the protagonist succeed in, in a lot of ways. And I think, I think that's honest uh, out of a lot of the things that I've heard about your movie. I think that uh, the ending has been, uh, very highly like praised among my colleagues. Oh, so I'm glad to hear that. I will say, yeah, it was very refreshing to see. Um, 
while you're ta- when you're talking about you know these adjustments you made to the script, uh, once you brought Pete on, I know you kind of alluded th- to this again in the Q and A yesterday. Uh, you brought him on as a executive producer or producer. Yeah. Um, and it, it seems like the role the role of Zeke is sort of an amalgamation of his experiences and your experiences. So I was wondering if you could maybe speak a little bit about how uh, you actually the process of actually like writing that into the script or like working with him to find this character. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, there's so much Pete in Zeke, and when I wrote this script, and that's why people are like, "Is this your life?" And I'm like, I really feel like it's the lives of all of our actors mm-hmm. because. We really wanted to have. I really wanted them to play this in a way that felt authentic to them mm-hmm. and felt honest. And for Pete, the people he was picturing when he read Zeke were like people he knew very personally, and for like growing up in Staten Island, and you know, and um, kind of older New York guys that like, and people in the comedy clubs in the comedy scene. Mm-hmm. And so, so a lot of that was the, the look of who Zeke was. I let because we, we just realized early on that as long as that relationship we protected that dynamic and stayed the same it's a he can play zeke however zeke you know it it doesn't matter as long as those two kids have that dynamic and so what we did do was we we infused the story with more like okay so if pete is zeke then it would probably stand to reason then that this kid would want to get a tattoo at some point right because like your best friend and uh, you know guy you idolize is covered in tattoos that wasn't in the script Let's write that. That's a great opportunity for a funny moment of like this kid's first tattoo. So that was written into the script once Pete came aboard. Um, uh, so something like that yeah. is an example it's of a, like it's a big plot point. It's a big. It's a huge plot point. Yeah. Um, and other things like that. Um, just like you know the the apartment, the texture of the the music that that Zeke listens to is all. We really kind of collaborated on making that feel right because it's like maybe if my Zeke's listened to like The Strokes. You know, and listen to like, you know, and I like Converse and tight jeans. Like, his Zeke's listen to Wu Tang Clan and DMX, and like, you know, I wasn't gonna try and make Zeke, make Pete into, you know, the Midwestern Jewish yeah. Zeke that I had written. <laughs> well, that's a that's a big I think like step for a writer to make to to notice that that sacrifice needs to be made and to like shift gears as soon as you can. Yeah. Um, how early into the process of like filming this thing, did you guys get together and start making these changes? I mean, I knew I wanted Pete for a long time to do this, to do this. And so as soon as he came on board, I was, and again, like I said, I'd written this a long time ago. So I was very open to, I didn't think this was like a perfect script. So I was very open to working on it with the actors and bringing in other voices to really get this right. Um, I was not precious with it at all. I was precious with the story. I was precious with like beats that I felt really needed to happen with the women at the end, with the friendship at the end between the two boys. There were beats that I was like, I had to protect at all costs. But beyond that, as long as like the arc of the story is there, I, I was open to interpretation of who these characters are. Cool. Yeah. Well, I guess uh, I'm getting the wrap up symbol here. So I'm just going to ask a question that I ask all my guests. Yeah. And, uh, um, well, first of all, did you, did you go to film school? Or did you go to script? Did you, I went to film school. I you went to Tisch Tish- Tish- Okay, film. cool. Yeah. Did you screen? Were you part of the screenwriting program? I there, ended or? up taking several screenwriting classes. Okay. I guess I, I wasn't sure. I'm not sure if that was if that was like part of the film class. Yeah. But I ended up really enjoying those classes towards the end. Is, was that like very? Would you say that was formative in you know who you are today as a director? Do you would you recommend that people take like aspiring directors take screenwriting classes? Absolutely. And, I I think that aspiring directors should take acting classes, screenwriting classes, <laughs> every class you know cinematography classes. 
Um, yeah. But, you know, unless you – and I worked, I'm on the No Film School podcast here. Um, but so that's just me. For me – and it was really just about – like, I took the writing classes because they got me to write. I probably wouldn't have had the motivation to like sit down and write a script at the age of 20 yeah. if I didn't have an idea because I didn't have an idea. But they're like, you need to have an idea. You need to write. So it kind of forces you that thing where it's like every day you're not going to wake up inspired and like write a million, you know, write a thousand words. Uh, but if you have to, yeah, <laughs> you know, so it trains you to kind of like to kind of have to write, have to be creative on like it's a like it's a day job. Yeah. And I've like I've tried to make that for me a day job mm. of like getting up and writing as if there was a, there was a script due at the end of the semester every six months. That discipline is so hard to find. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you had any one piece of like golden advice to aspiring filmmakers, what would it be? For me, it was about rolling with the punches. For me, it was like, have a plan B. You're always going to use it. And mm-hmm. it was about don't be, you know, I think that you should just be open to happy mistakes and happy accidents on set. I think there's like one thing in every scene, whether it be a, an element of production design, costume design, a line, which is more obvious, like an improv line that wasn't planned in the script. That is one of my favorite things. Hmm. When I watch them, like there's something that like some detail that I could have never just conceived of on my own. So just like surround yourself with a crew, like hire the best crew and not just people that are going to execute your vision the way you see it, but people that are going to elevate your vision or push you or change what you think this story should be. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's great. Yeah. (laughs) All right, Jason. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. And, uh, you know, big time adolescence will be around, I'm sure soon. I hope so. Yeah. (laughs) All right, man. Thanks a lot. Take it easy. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to the No Film School podcast on whatever podcast platform you use. Give us a rating and let us know how we're doing. Tune in every Monday for interview podcasts such as these. And of course, check out the site for the latest in filmmaking news and tips and tricks every day. I'm John Fisco. You can follow me on Twitter at Jim underscore John underscore Jim. You can follow No Film School at No Film School, and we'll see you next week.